So welcome everybody to this uh, session. I am your host as usual, Sylvia Moramu Chabo, the founder of Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons, where we advocate for integration and inclusion of persons with neurodevelopmental disabilities. And we seek to be the voice for our nonverbal children and also the caregivers. We organize programs to support and ensure that um, you get the support and the education that you need. And our end goal is to ensure that there is inclusion and in policy and also in the community that uh, we reduce stigma as much as possible, also equip parents so that they are empowered enough to raise their children with less stress, especially during this time where we have COVID-19 and all the challenges that it has and we have to do so much from home. So normally um, NeuroDigest, the same thing, we normally run it on Science TV, but now uh, for everyone on, please note that we shall, you, the, there is a recording and it shall be aired on our YouTube channel. So you just be, be informed that that is there. So by being here, you're giving us the right that we can broadcast. We will try not use names, we will use your initials in case you ask questions. Housekeeping rules, if you'd like to say something, please raise your hand. There is a raise hand button and you'll be automatically muted. So kindly ensure there is that. Um, don't, don't unmute yourself just for the respect of everyone else. And so that we can focus on our speakers. And today we have two beautiful women who will be talking about music and music and its effect as one of the interventions that we have when we're raising our special needs children. And they're from Music in Color and I'd like to introduce them, or rather, let's give them a chance to introduce themselves and then we get to know how they do this, who they are, then we dive in. So I'll start with you, Joanne, then Maureen. Kindly introduce yourself and let us know who you are. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Sylvia. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Joanne Karanja, and I am the director and founder of Music in Color. I have been a teacher of music for the last seven years, and music is my biggest passion, followed closely by teaching. Um, now, teaching children with special needs how to read and play music has become my calling in life. Absolutely, I, I love it. I have very first come to realize that I cannot achieve, um, you know, what it is that I want. I can't reach all the children by myself. So I have decided to talk more about what it is that I am doing, which is, you know, imparting the knowledge, the powerful knowledge of music to children with special needs. And that is who I am. And we'll talk more about what Music in Color is about later on. But now I'll let Maureen introduce herself. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Maureen Kamau. I have been a teacher for 30 years. Um, nice to see you, Warigia. It's been forever and ever. Um, my biggest passion is children. I, I'm a teacher at heart. I do not shy away from an opportunity to teach a child something. Um, and then I discovered that music can be a tool that I can use to teach. So I'm able to combine my love of teaching and my love of children with my knowledge of music to be able to teach and impart a little bit more to them every day. Um, I got into working with children with special needs as an educator, so I can work with most children. The only group that I struggle with is uh, um, hearing impaired and visually impaired children, but uh, every day is a learning opportunity. Um, so 
that's what I do. I met Joanne few, a while back and uh, we were able to combine forces and work together to do this thing. Thank you. All right, awesome. Wow, okay. That is a lot. <laughs> that is a lot of experience. And that, that at least I'm sure that gives us, for us as parents, it's one of the things, it gives you that confidence that we are in safe hands. So it's lovely and lovely to meet you. So how did you all find yourself in this music space? Because for us, you know, music was just one of those lessons we used to have in school. <laughs> then how, how do you just, okay, decide on top of being just regular teacher, let's dive into this space of music as an, an intervention. I would like to call it an intervention too. So starting with you, Joanne. So how did you land here in the first place? And what drives you when it comes to special children? So at least we can get a bit of some background of why you're in this space. Um, music has always been in my life, to be honest. My mom has been a guitar player for over 20 years. And I, <laughs> I grew up, you know, listening to her playing. Every time, you know, the lights would go off, that was our fun time. So I grew up loving music. Then come high school, it just became music has always just been my passion and I always want to, wanted to do music therapy. Then I met a friend of mine and he told me that he had an autistic son. So my aunt before that has had, has been a very um, spoken, you know, advocate for children with autism because she has two sons who are autistic. And I always wanted to know how I could be able to help them with music. So I just began reading about it. So when my friend told me about his autistic son, I was like, I know how powerful music is. Give me a chance to work with him. So he had, he had mild autism, mild dyslexia, um, mild cerebral palsy. He, he really had a lot of conditions in one. I don't even understand how that happened, but mostly he ranged in the autism spectrum. <laughs> so um, I began teaching him music and I began to realize very quickly how powerful it was and it got me, you know, more curious. So I began researching and finding out ways of how to teach them ways that he can understand. And I began to see how powerful it was. He went from a boy who couldn't focus on finishing swimming because he loved swimming. So he would swim, get in the middle of the, of the race and get a bit confused and forget what he was doing. But a few weeks into the class, his focus improved and his teachers began to, you know, be at awe of what was happening. And that's when I realized whatever it is I'm doing, this music that I am teaching as simple as it is, as fun as it is, is so, so powerful. And from then on, I, my passion for teaching special needs children just took off. And I knew that this was something that was really needed. Every time I think about it, I get goosebumps because it's one thing to know about how powerful music is. It's another thing to actually see how powerful it is in affecting our children. So that is how I ended up in this space. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so your passion and your, you meet your passion and uh, find your purpose when you're not even looking. That's interesting. Okay. Over to you, Marie. Um, I found I found that music was easy to use as a as a teaching tool from the very beginning. Um, children pick up language from the songs they sing. Um, we don't realize how important singing is for little people. It's how they learn how to count. It's how they learn cause and effect. 
It's how they learn different concepts. It's actually easier to teach a child um, uh, whatever you want them to know, whether it's a Bible verse, whether it's times tables, whatever it is. If you put it to music, imagine your game is, your game is over. It's done. Because if it's a memorable tune and it's very, very simple, then they'll be able to, one, remember it. If it's fun to sing, then they'll sing along. Um, and so I discovered that it's easy, really easy to use that. Um, then when I discovered that I can teach children instruments, it became an even bigger passion for me. It, it's actually a side job for me. My, music is my side hustle. But for a while, um, and I think uh, one of our participants here, Warigia, will tell you, for a while, no one knew that I was actually a teacher. I was known as a musician, as a music teacher, and people wouldn't believe that I can teach maths, that I can teach reading, that I can teach science, because I was known as the a, as a lady who sings with children, as the lady who teaches children guitar, as the lady who teaches piano and recorder. But at heart, give me a topic to teach children, and that's what, it will, that's what will happen. In uh, February 2011, I had the opportunity to go to Tanzania, and I was there for four and a half years, and I was working with a little girl with Down syndrome. Um, at that time, she was nine years old. Um, we think that the situation is bad here, but it's actually worse in Tanzania. Um, for such a vast country that has a population that is almost double ours, they only have, at the time that I left, they only had four government-run institutions for children with special needs. Um, the biggest focus is children with albinism, but uh, they have a lot of other things going on. So this was, a, this was um, an expatriate family that was looking for somebody who spoke English well and understood the British curriculum to work with their child. So I went there for four and a half years. And while I was there, I used music with this little girl um, I kept it simple, but she loved it and she loved to perform. So every opportunity to, one, showcase that children with disabilities can learn. Zora was my, was my, was my example, my shining star, because she would play the piano perfectly. And she would also learn songs very easily and she would remember. So again, I, I learned about the power of music through that. I got involved in a music school when I was there. And we became the music school that would teach children with autism and children living with Down syndrome and children living with cerebral palsy. So I, I honed my skills to work with children living with disabilities while I was there. Um, when I came back, um, fortunately in the last um, one year, I have met uh, my lovely Joanne and we are able to do this together now. Wow, that's lovely. And then you, you meet and you have the same passion and you take it and you run with it. So how long has Music in Color as an institution been there? Music in Color has officially been there for over five years now. Though I registered it in 2018, but I have been teaching children for children with special needs for five years. And I have you know gotten the opportunity to work with a lot of amazing parents and amazing children. And we continue to create programs that will, you know, demystify this concept that children with special needs can't learn. And at a point, they even learn better than their regular counterparts. It's just that there hasn't been, you know, a more focus on how exactly to teach them, especially music. 
and uh, coming up with programs like the special needs orchestra program which we'll talk more about that is there to actually remove the stigma that is in our community about the, our children with special needs because they are they are amazing children they have amazing abilities and that is what music in color is here to do to remove that stigma that these children have had for so long to show the society that they can do much more than we believe that they can and especially in music because i have found that music is a language that we all speak and it is one way i'm able to communicate with nonverbal you know children who maybe have autism or cerebral palsy that is our connection there we are able to communicate and music is so powerful and that is what brought the existence of music in color and that is why we are here that's awesome so now tell me uh what is when when i decide i want to nurture music now with my child what is the sequel like what 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 do i do i just come and say hey joe or maureen this is the boy this is what is going on is there any situation or is there, is there like a formula or what kind of music what kind of taste you know the way adults listen to different kinds of music so for for especially children like how would you gauge uh, what works best or how exactly like what's behind it I've, I've heard you both of you talk about I saw a change I saw improvement like mm -hmm. how does it work actually or how does it work for them to get to understand you said you use it to teach them you teach their emotions you teach them even language skills and even mathematics and stuff like that so how do you make that happen just take us through so that we get to understand and also for our viewers if you have any questions please slide in onto the chat and drop a question then we can engage them further. Remember this is a hangout, it's a communication and it is more of a conversation amongst all of us. So feel free to ask any questions. So Maureen, let us know, how do you figure what are we going to do with this child? Um, first of all, one of the things that I always say is that a child is not, does not come in a vacuum. When you bring us your child, remember this is your child. So I'm going to ask you questions about your son or your daughter. What do they do when you leave them alone? If a child is used to tapping, tapping all the time, you know that child who disturbs you in class because they're always tapping the pencil and they're always banging things. That is a drama at heart. So I will introduce them to percussion instruments, blocks, maybe um, our African drums. I won't even get at the drum sets that we're used to just some African drums, maybe, maybe a tambourine, all those things. Play a song and have them bang it to the rhythm of the song. Even just clapping, that will teach them that music has a rhythm and a beat, and then we can get even further as we go along. Um, there's a child who loves to just hum. So we will introduce either the piano or a guitar or a recorder. The thing is to just keep trying until we find this child's sweet we are not going to impose our will on the child. Because remember, we are not trying to raise um, performers. We are not raising child musicians. We are raising musical children. And that's the thing that we first need to do. The fact that they will eventually be performers as we build the orchestra is a by the way. Because then, first of all, like Joanne has said, your child will end up being having a better concentration. This student, this individual who has come to you, and remember, because our, our children living with disabilities, we have a student who is, I think, um, over 18. This is, a, this is a man. 
But because of the struggles that he has and the things that he's dealing with, he is still our student because he's learning and there are things that he's still trying to navigate. And music is what is giving him the confidence to be able to do what he needs to do. So it's a question of just getting to know the child. When you bring me the child, I'm not going to put them on the piano immediately. I'm going to introduce that person to the different things that are available before I finally decide, hey, maybe you're a pianist. And if a child learns even more than one instrument, that's even better for them because it means that they have been exposed to more and they're able to do more. I don't know what so to want to add to that. So how much time will it take you to figure out like their, their inclination in the different types? Because I know this is one of the questions that had come in uh, before we started the show uh, early today morning. Like, how do you know, the way you say there is the time, then you, you decide, okay, maybe the piano is the, the way to go for this specific child. So what, what telltale signs would you see with a child to know which instrument will work best for them? Um, the first thing, we always do an assessment, which is the first thing that we do on the first lesson. And that is looking at, uh, like Maureen has said, the preferences that the child might have exhibited at home, whether it's the humming or the bagging. Then after that, we also look at um, his capabilities. For example, a child with cerebral palsy who has, you know, stiff fingers and the motor skills are quite a bit of a challenge, then we can't move them, you know, to an instrument like a guitar off the bat. So we, there are quite a number of things that we look at, but it's usually just in that first assessment session where we are able to know that they're able, the, the best instrument to start with is this one. So even if we are going to start with the piano of the bat and they show or a drum, we try and ease them with the, the instrument that will be easiest for them at that particular point to learn with. Because what it will do is that once they're, for example, starting with a piano or starting with a recorder, begins to work, you know, whatever it is challenging to them, for example, their motor skills. And once they grow in and their motor skills become a bit better, then they go off and graduate into a guitar. If, for example, that is what they were passionate about if they're able to express their passion verbally. So there are a lot of things to look at, but it's usually done with that first assessment session where you're able to know he might want piano or he might want guitar or she might want a recorder, but this is the best place to start with because that it can become easier for them. At the same time, even after we decide that this is the instrument they're going to start with, we still expose them to what it is they would have preferred to still keep their interest. So it's a step-by-step -step to make sure that we are focusing on working and helping them through music and at the same time keeping their passion. Now there are those students who just love dancing. And that is the best uh, instrument, if you ask me, your body, because it, it's a way to release, you know, a lot of pent up energy. And, and you, you, realize, you realize this is children who at some point end up, you know, getting aggressive and breaking things. It's just because they need a place to take their energy from. So we combine that with the lessons. So you have your instruments, you're growing in your playing, but we also give you room to, you know, continue and dance. Within, within that, you know, that space of learning music. So we incorporate the instrument and the dancing. So the assessment is the, the very first lesson we don't teach, we just assess. So we let them go through the instrument, see what it is that they prefer, because you'll give a child an instrument and they will light up. And you'll know instinctively that is what they prefer. But in case they are not able to play that instrument because of something, you know, physical that is 
making it difficult for them. We now move them to something easier, fast, but then grow and gradually go to that other instrument because it does happen. You begin with this one, graduate to the next one. The body really does change. I have seen it and it is amazing, Sylvia. It is honestly amazing. Maureen, you may want to add on that. Um, no, she has covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Sylvia, we can't hear you. I forgot I muted myself. <laughs> <laughs> so now, for us as parents, um, maybe I have noted something like my son loves to dance because I see like the way you're saying the body movement it is something like how you build fine motor skills right so mm -hmm. for the child to be able to also maneuver all these things in the in the music session that means we must have or should have started something like now occupational therapy classes for the fine motor skills or could we take the music classes as one of the like ways of how to develop fine motor skills. As in, does it make your life harder when my child has not grasped their fine motor skills yet? It, do, no. it, it does, it does. But remember, we are still using our big muscles and we are still using our small muscles because that's what fine motor and gross motor skills are. Mm -hmm. um, within, within a session, even just that, that action of strumming a guitar, or holding your recorder, you're still using your muscles. Um, one of the things that I loved about Music in Color when I came in is that uh, the fact that Joanne is collaborating with other special needs professionals to incorporate music. So um, one of the things that I would do if, if, if you bring me your child, and me, uh, um, I would say, where's your occupational therapist? Where's the physiotherapist? I would like them to know some of the things that this child needs to grasp to be able to continue learning this instrument. Alternatively, um, incorporate some of those exercises within my music lessons that will then help them to become a better instrumentalist. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now it has to be teamwork for yes. the occupational therapist, therapist and yourself. So you have to work as a team for the best results. Yeah, basically, as a music teacher, we are coming in and joining this child's team of experts. Mm -hmm. We are basically adding to his little family, to her little family of people who are working with them. I think that's what, that's what, I love the smile on your face, Joanne, you like that? <laughs> <laughs> we are joining the little yeah. family. Mm. Yeah. And, and yeah. also, music, music is, it's, it's, um, it's a complementary era. To all the others. Because mm. one thing I've realized is, especially working with the other specialists, is once a child now comes into the program, whatever milestones they were aiming to meet, they have said that they, are, they end up meeting them twice as fast. So you mm -hmm. see even the motor skills, whatever it is they were struggling with, you see that once that child has started the program, they're able to meet it a bit faster than before. Whether it's also speech therapy, it acts as a complementary therapy to everything else that they are doing. So it's working hand in hand. It makes the job easier. It makes it more fun for the child. And also it reduces the work on the brain because how music interacts with the brain is 
effortless. It doesn't have to think about it. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's working. It's just, it becomes quite effortless for the body to follow through on what it is that it's aiming for. And that is the most powerful thing about music. It's effortless power to convince and talk to the brain. All right, that's awesome. So um, just back to that, um, the beginning, I've just, just a thought crossed my mind uh, as an example. I know my son, uh, usually he's addicted, he has that um, attachment to sticks or those long things. And he's always flapping it. Mm -hmm. and there will come a time he'll be humming around the house and running on things and I'm like, okay. But his memory is quite awesome in terms <laughs> of when he was non-verbal, of course, we're playing the same songs in, in, in the car. And the day his vocals opened up, dude is humming to everything in that car. Like, he knows one, 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 but he's humming to everything. I'm like, dude, you've not been talking all of a sudden, you're singing along. He knows songs. Wow. I don't know. You know, when they, you leave your children with the nanny, there are all these things that they're listening to. And he'll come and try and tell me when he wants a particular song. He likes bongo in Swahili very much. Just mm -hmm. a word that I cannot mm -hmm. figure, but my nanny will understand and put it and he lights up and all that. So the question is, how do I embrace this that we can actually hear what, you know, because he, you'll hear one word, then he will hum, he will not miss any notes. You understand? So now with all mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. I start first with this, he has speech therapy, but how do I make him become audible? in terms of singing and um, how do i teach him like if you're humming do i buy him a drum so that when he's in that place of banging you should look at my surfaces i have marks all over <laughs> you know? and then we see the other thing is now do i look at the positive side of it do i look at my losses because like my fridge has dents the freezer all my tables i paint after a shower the dining table looks like there was someone who came with a hammer and you know so how do we, <laughs> John, I can see you dying of laughter. Trust you, me as parents, we see a lot behind the scenes. I so, can imagine. <laughs> um, best, the best thing, <laughs> the best thing about once you realize something like that is to just create, you create now a space for it okay. because he will want to do that and he needs to do it. But once you create a schedule for him, and, and I think the, the one thing that I love about children, especially especially autism, is that they're schedule-oriented. You put them in a schedule, they will follow it as soon as they learn it and they get used to it. So let him know now that this is the, you know, the space for music. So this is where he has the freedom to bang and dance, whether it's an hour or an hour and a half, because the minute he has that, you know, energy and want of music and to express himself, you know, finally expressed, then he'll, he'll come down. And that is why it's important to have a schedule of music time within the day, whether once or twice or three times, depending on how, you know, how much um, that energy, you know, comes up. It's, you, you know your child, so you'll realize at this particular point, that's when you realize, eh, this energy, that's when your fridge now starts getting dense. It's really sometimes at a particular point of the day. So once you're able to figure out when that is, that's when you schedule his music time. That's when you schedule his dance time and then have it in a place where he's not able to, you know, destroy stuff. Because if he doesn't have that space to do that, then it will go all out. And that is what changes once the child has a scheduled music class. You begin to realize that that goes down because he knows that at this time, I am able to actually let out all that I have, all the 
you know, all the music that I want to do, all the dancing that I want to do. And the fascinating thing about music is that a child is able to sing before they speak. And that's what you're talking about. He'll hear a song and he'll want to hum it through. And that is what now coaxes his vocals and he speaks. Because music interact. let me tell you, when how music talks to the brain, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. And that is where we are able to sing before we're able to speak most of the time. And we can go back to when we're even infants. How that happens is when you're in your mother's womb, you're able to know her voice through your, how your brain interprets music. You're able to know mom through the sing-song sound of her voice, not because you knew how to spell mom, it's because of how musical her voice sounds. And that's how you're able to tell different you know, voices and different intonations because the music part of your brain that's working, which is every part of your brain. So that is why a child will sing and will want to sing and they listen to songs when they are young as compared to, you know, any other thing. And that is where lullabies are there, learning your ABCs are in song. And that is why it's important for them to have that. So that's how he ends up humming and singing before he talks and it's going to, so once he has that space of music, that space of knowing that I can dance and I can hit and I can drum, then he doesn't need to do it all around the house. I am so sorry, Sylvia, <laughs> but that is how it is. <laughs> okay, so how do, you, how do you normally get them to come and actually follow instructions? Because I tried that schedule of like, okay, let's dance. And I'm like, we're moving this way. Okay, for me, I have two of them. One is extremely mm -hmm. high part and we have Andrew who's sense of fine motor skills is one thing, right? So mm -hmm. he, was, he has his moments and then now he will have this moment that he just goes hyper, he starts shouting and he's too excited. Mm -hmm. You're like, Jesus Christ, what just happened? Okay, that uh -huh. is the ups and downs. This other mm -hmm. one gets so excited. Instead of us seeing, he is just screaming and he wants attention and he wants to do everything on overdrive. For mm -hmm. me as a parent, on the other side, I've dealt my entire day, I've come back home, I'm just trying to be a good mommy. Then you yeah. give me all this energy that I don't have room for. So mm -hmm. how can I uh, regulate them? You know, mm -hmm. is there a way that I should start with a certain kind of music to mellow mm -hmm. them in that space? Do we start mm -hmm. with, uh, I, I, see, I, I hear you on getting a corner for music, but the one time I tried bringing the, the uh, flute, it was, mm -hmm because there is no beginning and end you take it away it's a meltdown you know mm -hmm. what is the ideal routine of how to handle that music session mm -hmm. yeah. so the first thing is it has to be it will consistency 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 because as i teach my students the first few weeks all the way to a month is a struggle like because it's not something they're used to so it's something that you know you you're trying to teach them and tell them that it's good for them. And before they understand that, it's going to be, you know, so there's a lot of screaming, there's a lot of banging, there's a lot of hitting. I've had that actually with my students, but you have to persist on the schedule that this has to happen. So if, um, for, for music that to calm them down, um, <laughs> I, I, I love classical music. I am, um, I am biased when it comes to classical music because of especially slow music. But my sister told me when she listens to classical music, she thinks of horror movies. So now I'm beginning to think that maybe, maybe there has to be something else. <laughs> 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 well, now what do you do with that? So, <laughs> so, 
So um, any instrumental music that is uh, soothing, that doesn't have a lot of noise, low volume, to also calm down the energies that they have. And you want to put this uh, type of music when you want them to relax. When you're seeing their energies are spiking, just that kind of music will begin to mellow them down. Because what the brain does is that it begins paying attention to the harmonies and the melodies. And when it's doing that, it, begin, it begins to soothe. So, my daughter. <laughs> She's checking um, up on you. <laughs> She has confirmed that mom is working. She has confirmed yeah. that mom is working. Then now she goes, now that she's sure. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so sorry, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> So the, the, the slow music, the mellow music. Also try, when you're trying to calm them down, don't have anything that has words, because now they'll try and sing and, and you know, understand the words. So you just want instrumental music, mellow music at a low volume. That will begin to calm them down. It will probably take you maybe 30 minutes, an hour, but they will calm down and you're able now to navigate the day, especially when you're tired as a parent. But in the course of the day, make sure they have an hour or an hour and a half of just dancing, like serious dancing, and they, they need to work out that energy. Because if it doesn't work out, then now that is when you get you know, the screams and the banging and you know the temper tantrum, because they have that energy that they need to remove. And music and dancing is the best way to exercise it, because it also produces the feel-good hormones and they're able to now relax. So you can have, you know, like your morning, that's when probably they're trying to learn an instrument. Then in the evening somewhere or in the afternoon after they've had their lunch and, you know, there's that energy that's coming from the food, let them dance, let them dance out and then they're going to be tired. Then in the evening, have a bit of mellow instrumental music, whichever type you feel. Like if your son loves bongo, there's nice slow bongo music. Now, how you get bongo music without words? That's another one. Or, you know, without instrument, without the, without the vocals, that really helps calm them down. There's always a point in music where you want to take away, you know, the, even you, even you as, you know, as a grown up, there are times when you want to listen to music and not hear the words, because mm -hmm. your brain starts trying to interpret every word that it hears. So you want to, you know, eliminate that towards the evening. So just some, some of the simple steps, but it has to be, you have to persist on it. Through the temper tantrums, through the crying, it has to be a period of persistence. And that is where getting a teacher or getting a tutor has to be very, you have to be very careful with who you choose. Because at a point where your son or your daughter gets angry, that teacher has to be able to know how to deal with that. Because then, you know, navigating such emotions, you know, they, they are learning. And if they see you get upset when I do this, then they know it makes you upset enough times you won't let me, you, you will go away. So having somebody who is patient with them to walk them through the schedule, to persist on it, but in a way that they know it's okay, is very important. And even you as a, you know, eh, being a parent, it's hard. You're home, you're tired, they need this attention, you don't know what to do. Having some mellow music will also be good for you <laughs> to help you not lose your cool, to just, you know, relax for a bit and even them, have them come down. Yeah. 
Okay, and Joan, <coughs> I mean, uh, Maureen, what, what's your feel on that? I'm, I'm going to reiterate um, the consistency, and I'm going to add another word, make it a routine. Okay. If you only do it once a week, it's not going to help. But if you decide that from now on, our routine is we dance in the morning, we relax in the evening. First of all, they will look forward to it. And then it won't be a problem because if they want to scream in the evening, you'll remind them our screaming session is tomorrow morning. And if you keep your word and you keep that routine, then it will also not be a problem. Because even when they come to the music lesson at Music in Color, they know what their routine is. And particularly for children, specifically children with autism and children with dyslexia. The secret is, is to keep to that routine because they know that when I go to Miss Maureen, when I go to Miss Joanne, the first thing we do is we dance for two minutes. Then they look forward to it. And then after that, we talk about our day. And then after that, we play our instrument. If, and there's a lot of safety and security in that routine. So even in your own home, they know which songs that you're, they know which songs you're going to play. And it's not about you putting on a song and you tell them, go and dance. If you're not there with them, it ceases to be important and it ceases to, to have the meaning that they wanted to have. But if you're jumping and dancing with them on the noisy ones, and then you're lying down and relaxing with them for the slow, mellow music, then they realize this is also time with mom. This is time with dad or whoever it is who's there with them. They begin to cherish that time. And if you protect it and keep that routine, you're actually well on your way. Mm. I was just thinking, like, how many routines will I have to make? <laughs> Sylvia, it's really only one routine. If you think about it, it's really only one routine. No, no, as and in I, the, time, the time it takes, not, not in that way, like, uh, you see now, uh, for me, now I'm telling you from now as a caregiver side, yeah? Yeah. As we're going through how to do it right, we're talking about one and a half hours with half an hour of this, then moving to this and then that. I'm thinking when I'm doing occupational therapy, now in this COVID time that we have to do everything. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Then I have to slot now, okay, OT time, same thing, start with a bit of a more low, then get into it, then half class, then we have maybe speech later on. So those are the things that sometimes when we look at it and we're like, oh God, I'm only one person, especially for us who are single parents, you know, yeah. and it's not everyone who can actually fill in that gap for you when it comes to, okay, I can't say, I'll teach my nanny how to do the music session. Maybe she'll be busy at that time, maybe she didn't wash, finish washing clothes and stuff like that. Maybe I have to run for a meeting. So it can be challenging, but I know it is something that if, if you focus on, we can make it work. But sometimes it just feels like it's a lot of work. And that's why you see, I think we have this entire support system. Because uh, the other thing also you find, maybe yes, we have the routine, but like yesterday, you woke up, the routine was thrown through the window. And I'm like, dude, uh, what's happened with you? You didn't even say hi. He didn't do his usual wash your face, blah, blah, blah. He went straight, started with food instead of all these other things. Within the mm -hmm. first 30 minutes, he had a major meltdown. You know, those meltdowns, like neighbors are asking, are you killing this child? You know? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can also be thrown off with um, how, how, how they do wake up. And uh, mm -hmm. that's the time you're seeking these external activities to sort of regulate 
and you know just get them into a different space because at the end of the day we we too are also human and yeah. it can't be like it's a bit too much you hear me so that yeah. that's the point at which i was talking about because sometimes you can have your 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 day slotted and planned then mm-hmm. the baby decides today i'm the boss and we are going <laughs> to do things my way <laughs> you know and that's the yeah. end doesn't you cannot even fight you know so it's it, it is quite quite a challenge and uh to our audience remember you can also you can share your experience and any questions uh to our specialist in the chat box or raise your hand and we can give you the platform to speak and engage and uh let us know what it is exactly you would love to hear from uh miss joanne and miss maureen yeah did you have okay now maureen now tell me now with that elaboration uh, how, how do you, how do we look at it? Um, I, I completely hear you um, about how busy your day and how busy your life is. That routine, um, you can't find that one and a half hours in the day. Then make sure that at least it happens, even if it ends up being half an hour or 15 minutes um, of the noisy music in the morning, because you don't want those kinks in their life in the evening. It's also about you keeping your sanity. You don't want to have to jump off the balcony. <laughs> they need you. But you know that you also need them because now they've become part of your life. Yeah, and you need them to be as stable and as sober as you can possibly manage. So even so, because you've instituted music, they have that music space. If one and a half hours isn't happening, make sure you at least do a minimum of 15 minutes. Okay. Even if they jump up and down. Yes, because you, you've said that they love it. If they didn't love it, then it's fine. You can throw it out. But if they love it, then it's something that they need and it's something that you want for them. Then um, whatever. Then you make sure it's there. And then in the evening, even again, even if it's only that 15 minutes, if bedtime routine. We say our prayers and then we put on Mozart and we sleep to Mozart. There will so come a time when they will not sleep unless the Mozart has been on. So now, now you've touched actually one of those key areas that we're talking about, like Joan had said about classical music. So mm-hmm. um, with the different genres of music, what effect does what music have on the development of a child? Think about it yourself. When, you're in a, when you pass a matatu and that music is blaring and loud, what happens to you? I guess if you're so like me, my whole psyche is done. I'm like, I was here, I was mellow, and then suddenly my head is askew and I feel like my hair has gone all over the place. And I pass that matatu and then the next one is silent. I'm like, ah, everything has been restored. It's the same way. It's the same way for your children. Give them that noisy, noisy music, and they're hyper. Um, when I do, when I do, when I do music lessons where children are listening to music and they're accompanying it, um, we will have the noisy, banging music, and I'll tell them, let's 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 clap or let's if we're using our symbols or whatever. How are we going? What's the speed of this music? And when the music is loud and fast, they'll run around like crazy people in the classroom. But when we slow it down and calm it down, they will even the running slows down. So it's the same thing. Um, we respond, our heart, remember that our own bodies are musical because your, your heart has a beat, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Your heart has a beat and it has a rhythm. And that's how your doctors know when they take your, when they listen to your heartbeat, they know that there's something wrong 
or there's something right based on the rhythm of your of your heartbeat and actually your heartbeat will increase or slow down based on that music that you're surrounded by and that's why you really really cannot decide that you're going to listen to bon jovi five minutes before we go to sleep you're gonna have a party all night long you can't listen to bon jovi before you go to bed please no or rod stewart no my age is showing my age is showing and on the fifth floor some of you are asking who are those <laughs> um but you know it, it will do the same um joanne maybe you can take over from that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're completely, <laughs> that's completely true. That, the same way that I said my sister hears classical music and she thinks about horror movies. It's mostly about your preference, what you like. What mm-hmm. you like, what you like listening to is very important on how the music, um, you know, works with you. Because if you, listening to music that you love will produce the, you know, the happy, cuddly hormone oxytocin and listening to music that you don't like will release the stress hormone in your body. So it has to be music that you like. It has to be music that your children like. Now that doesn't also mean that you cannot experiment to see Mm -hmm. because there there are a lot of genres of music. Now, why I am particularly biased to classical music is that it it has very many you know, dynamics and sides to it. And why I like using it on, you know, my children, uh, my specialist children is because they get to a point, their brains work on a very different level than ours. And I believe it's on a higher level than us regular Mm -hmm. people. They're able Mm -hmm. to understand more, they're able to see more, they're able to hear more at at a different level than we do. So what I love about classical music, it's how complicated it is in its melodies and its harmonies, the different instruments that are there. And what that does is that it it hooks their brains into wanting to understand what is happening, into listening to all those harmonies and melodies and, you know, the different themes and variations that are going on. Those are musical terms, do not mind them. And what that does is that it gets the body to now relax because the brain wants to learn, it wants to hear, it wants to understand. So listening to classical music, especially slow classical music towards the evening, it really, it gives the brain an exercise that helps the body calm down. So the brain is enjoying whatever it's hearing, it's enjoying the different sounds, and that gives the body a calming you know, feeling. As composed to you know, contemporary music, you have your piano, you have your guitar, you'll have your drums, and that's about it. Classical music, you have over seven different instruments going on. And, you know, the ability to hear all those and understand what's going on, that's what makes the brain go like, hmm, okay. And when they're at that hmm point, it's when you're able to, you know, relax. And also really exercises the brain in, in an amazing way. It's, it's a full body workout for the brain, listening to music and playing classical music. So that's why I'm particularly biased on, uh, towards it. Yeah. They always say that if you want your child to be wise, intellectual, geeky stuff, you make them listen to, to classical music. I'm serious. Like even when you're pregnant, you know, bring music next to your tummy, the development, you know. And this means yeah. actually true. Because mm. it is. With uh, Mozart on the whole night, and she's like the smartest human for her age. So mm-hmm. is this actually, actually scientifically true? What music does is that, um, and I always tell children that what music does is 
listening to music, things like listening to music, reading a book for pleasure, playing a sport, um, engaging in those extracurricular activities that for the longest time we thought were not important, stimulate the brain for better learning. They stimulate the brain for better concentration and better assimilation of information. Um, so that, I, I, I think that's why they recommend that sort of thing. Um, like Joanne is saying, when you listen to a classical piece, you've got your, you've got your piano, you've got your violin, you've got your, 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 your different percussion instruments, you've got a cello, you've got different things playing to become a harmony. Um, even if I listen to a, to, a, to, a, to a band, like a worship band, there's the instrument that I'll pick out. There's a day that I will only hear the bass and I'll, and, and I'll, I'll think, wow, that bass line is just so cool. And the person who doesn't even hear the bass line is looking at me thinking, Naomi Tokawai. <laughs> you know, because the, them they're listening to the, to the song in totality. Mm-hmm. And then the next time I'll hear the song, but all I hear is the chords of the guitar. Because my brain is now listening to different things. It's an exercise. And that's why Joanne is saying that, you know, at some point, your brain begins to lock in and think, hmm, what did I just hear? Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's why all of that music is just so, so important. It's really, really cool. It stimulates your brain to do better and to work better. So uh, could we say, okay, the other question that I know that's there is the kind of music that someone likes, does it talk about their personality? Like, can you peg someone's personality according to the kind of music that they like or listen to? Well, I don't know. Yes. You, you are what you listen to. If you, look, if you look at people who listen to a lot of angry music, they'll come off, they'll be, they have very, they'll be very negative towards the world. And, you know, their, their persona will be a bit, you know, if you listen, if you listen to angry music every day, it's going into your subconscious. Music travels to your subconscious effortlessly. It doesn't need any boxing. So you end up becoming what you listen to. If, when you're in a good mood and you listen to music that you like, mm. happy music, it, gives you, it makes you happier than you are. You know, if you listen, if, you, if you're constantly listening to sad music, then it's going to be very hard for you to actually become a happy person because you're constantly telling your subconscious, I'm sad because the music is sad. So, what you listen to does tend to make you what you are what you listen to the same way you are what you eat and you know those things you are what you do this and that but listening to the particular if you want to feel happy every day it would be weird if you listened to angry sad music because you must be angry and sad so mm-hmm. choosing the type of music is important in what you want to feel at that particular time and even what you want to be it's also the reason why you're told read motivational books or listen to motivational tips. They keep you motivated, you know. So it's the same thing with music. It will bring out what it is that you want to feel. Now, for us adults, now I'm skipping now from our children going to, like, for us caregivers. Um, you know, as adults, there are those days you're down, you listen to, of course, let's say it's a heartbreak, we all go through those, you want to listen to the blues. Uh, some of us listen to anything, everything. We have one medicine for if you're angry, you're sad, Nigeria 24 7, you know, for us extra hyper. Then there is like 
a creative when I need to just zone my mind to go into that workspace. I find myself looking for cold play and stuff like that, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, and then this other time, you throw me in whatever, take me to Jatelo Uko and listen to Rumba and, and just plug right in. You know, when you're looking at all these personalities, <laughs> like how is the human um, anatomy brain proposed so that we are able to take all this because there are people who are like strictly to have to listen to this person every day i have to is it because we self-regulate to that like someone yesterday was like oh i'm listening to this and i'm like oh me i'm listening like ah you're so predictable niger 24 7 but i was questioning myself like hey wait a minute is there something wrong with me that i'm just inclined to this is it a liking is it because like you said the more you listen to something the more like it just gets into your system because you see now if i look at how that affects also now my kids they know all my niger music all right when you go to to now um, what is the Tanzanian one? Bongo. My nanny is a Bongo fan. They will listen to that. So at what point will we get to know who they are exactly? Because you see, we are influencing them. With, we are the adults. We are the ones who are controlling the music in the house. You know, I tried to do that at night and the, the, like there is the musical bubs you are, you are selling at some point. And the, the essence behind it was I was looking forward to putting that at night, the bulb, and putting the Mozart on so that they can sleep. But it ends up being I'm dealing with two totally different special needs children because one is okay with that mellow and they'll fall asleep. The other one, just because there's an activity going on, that's the end of the world. We even sleep at one, you know. So I know I've thrown in like three in one <laughs> questions. So Maureen, uh, could, you, could you just guide us? I can see Joanne has been kicked out. She's coming back in shortly. So yeah, what, what do you think? Like the effect of now? Sorry, I don't understand. I, I don't understand your question. Two things. As adults, our moods, the music we listen to, the way there is variance. Like I listen to something different. My son listens to trance. My nanny listens to bongo flavor, right? That's a whole community mm-hmm. of different music being ex- that mm-hmm. the children are being exposed to, right? Depending mm-hmm. on our what we want so will that affect them identifying themselves and what it is they want all right no and- not really not mm-hmm. no, not really at some point their own personal taste will start to show i grew up with a classic and um my dad had me record there used to be a program called lit lit and sundowner yeah, I used, I because he's at work because he's at work i had to record sundowner every day and list we had masses and masses of music. So I grew up on The Temptations, Jim, Jim Reeves, Charlie Pride, mm-hmm. I knew all of them. I knew all the songs for Late Dates. I, I even knew the speakers, all of them, the anchors. Today, that's not the music I listen to. If you ask my mother, she'll tell you, according to her, that I've never listened to secular music. As far as she's concerned, I've always only listened to gospel. But that's because I also realized what it was doing for me, this other music. I'd always feel yucky and dirty when I listened to secular music as a 17-year-old, as an 18-year-old, as a 22-year-old who's trying to navigate life. And all the songs are about, come and love me, baby. And I had no one loving me, so I didn't want to think about those things. So I, I just automatically listened to gospel music because they weren't putting the pressure on me that I didn't want. I'm now in my 50s and I can listen to whatever, 
but that's my preference. Okay, so at some point, each child will pick their songs. And sometimes I'll ask my students, what's your favorite song? Who's your favorite artist? And sometimes I hear things that I've never heard because I don't listen to that, to a lot of that. I don't listen to radio. So sometimes I'll end up listening to things because a student has given me the name of an artist. Your children will pick for themselves the same way they have their own favorite color that is not your favorite color. Um, the same way they have their favorite food that is not your favorite food. It's about giving them, uh, again, the choices, posing them, and then at some point they'll come into their own. Okay. Um, I have something to add on to that. Uh, the environment, like the family, what you grow up listening to, will it at the end of it uh, affect what our children get inclined to liking and uh, having a preference for? Joanne? Okay. Uh, she, she's coming and going, so I'm not so certain. So the other question- Her network, her network tends to be not very good. No problem. I, I, had, to, I had told her to climb a tree, but I don't know. <laughs> Joanne will send you to the nearest tree to get better network, so we've been advised. <laughs> okay, Maureen, now the other question I was pegging on that was now, for me, since I have two special ones, right? And they have these two totally different personalities. And the way we are saying like playing classic music like Mozart at night will help them like easy to sleep well and easy. But then you remember like for someone who my youngest who has ADHD, his hyperactivity uh, gets to be very difficult to know what will tone it down. Yeah, we have Andrew who's now a strictly for routine. It's 9 p.m. It's time for bed. When you put the music, we don't put the music. His clock says it's bedtime, it's bedtime, you know. So how do you, how, and, and I, I have them in the same room because they're their practical engagement. So how, how do we balance that, like uh, the different personalities uh, of, of theirs? Because one will get, yes, mellowed down by it. The other one will find something to do. We'll sing. He could, we could switch off the lights and leave him alone and he would be coming and looking at, even if you don't have music, if he can't sleep, you know, he will start talking to himself, <laughs> you know, and at some point it was actually concerning for me because I'm like, we've switched off the lights, we've done everything. I'll be waking up at one end looking for water and the baby just goes like, mom, and I'm like, dude, you're supposed to have been asleep for the longest time. So why are you still awake? Now, apart from classical music, is there any other that maybe could work in terms of now mellowing down those hyperactive children? who maybe will get distracted, distracted by anything small like that? Off the top of my head, I can't think. Mm -hmm. um, maybe find out what is really boring to them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, for, for instance, I can't stand Lingala music. The most I'll listen to is one song a week. Um, <laughs> I don't know, find out what bores them. But then it may also be just about you figuring out as a parent and and I don't know that this is a music-related question as much as, as much as a parenting thing for you. It's about you figuring out what do I need to do for my child to make them sleep. If they are awake all night, then maybe it's the way they are sleeping. Um, mm -hmm. And if, if they need few hours and, and, and when they wake up, no matter what time they went to bed, they are okay and they get up and they are not struggling because of lack of sleep, then we are okay. 
But um, if it's about uh, your child not being able to fall asleep, then that that's a that's a parenting, a programming, and a routine issue, not so much a music issue. Um, and that's something we can talk about personally because again, I'm a special needs teacher, so oh. we can we can tackle that together. I'm now part of your little family. Yay! <laughs> okay. Now the other thing with the instrument, yeah. with the instrument we we also um, co-did the last year, winning the America's Got Talent. Season. Oh, that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was a win for the special needs space. But then the one thing that I was looking at it for me when I'm looking at it now, like everyone made a big deal out of it. That, oh, he's special needs, he's, he's visually impaired, and he actually managed to do this. He has great vocals. Now, coming back to Africa and uh, the Sub-Saharan, I believe like the mother really had to invest in him for him to be that good, right? And, and, and to embrace the fact that he's good at the piano and work at it and to get him to that level, because man, that was, that was real talent, yeah? So um, for our children, once we bring them now, let's say to music in color, uh, is it you who's going to identify or, and, and, and know which instrument to nurture, right? Is, are we going to focus, is it good in dancing? Is it good in vocals, you know, like those high pitched and stuff like that? Or is it an instrument? I know you said you do the assessment. So how long, how long will it take after you start? Like, and then for how long, once someone enrolls, how long does it take to get to understand this child wholly? And then we say, okay, this guy is going to be singing. Let's focus on his vocals and him being a musician. It, it doesn't take more than maybe a month or a month and a half. Again, okay. is your child coming to me once a week? Are they coming to me twice a week? Are they coming to me three times a week? Um, for some children, they may need the music every day. One, let me say that in a situation like this Cody kid, remember that in the US, their systems are set up better for children like these than our systems. Thank God that music in color has come in because then we want to raise the, the profile of the, of, of the child living with disabilities and create a, a system that allows them to become all that they can be within their world. And we are scaffolding their life with music to allow them to become better and stronger and um, uh, better equipped and enabled children. Um, so once we figure out this child is going to be good at the, the recorder, this child is going to be good at the violin, the guitar. Um, by the way, even if it's just a crash cymbals, and that's all they ever play in the orchestra, they have mm -hmm. to become the best symbol player according to their ability and their level. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're gonna make, make them become. Again, remember, we are not looking to create performers. We are looking to create musical children and not child musicians. If a child has the mm -hmm. capacity, the capability, and, 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 and is able to go as far as a child like Cody did, then we will take them there to the best of our ability. And it will be great to see a Kenyan child go that far. Um, again, in, because this, this child lived in a, in a developed country, they have um, money and welfare and whatever set aside for children like those. We want to be able to create the pro to raise the profile of our children living with disabilities, where we begin to have the government say there needs to be money 
set aside for talent development for children living with disabilities. As it is, even just basic needs like, like health. And, and, and Sylvia, I see you doing so much work trying to find cheaper medication for the children who need medication, um, affordable, affordable diapers for your adult children. If we can't even find those, do you think that they're even going to think about a child being able to play a recorder? So we need to, real, to raise the profile of um, whole person education and whole person development for these are lovely, lovely children because they are a part of our, of, of our community. Um, and it's not just about the child, it's about the, where this child is coming from. This child has a great musical talent. If this parent cannot even afford the right diet, children with autism, for instance, are supposed to be on a gluten-free, no-sugar diet. But all the food that is available, first of all, this mother lives in the middle of Kawangware, in the middle of Korogosho, and you're telling her to put her autistic child on a gluten-free diet. What does it mean to give my child a gluten-free diet? It just means that I'm not going to give my child ngano. No more chapatis for this child. How do I then deal with that Christmas lunch that we go to in the village and all they've cooked is chapul? No one understands why your child cannot eat gluten. You're suddenly saying to your child, no more processed sugar. All the other children are drinking soda. Why am I not drinking soda? And you haven't been equipped to learn how to, to, um, to make that better. We are saying to you that you need a balanced diet for your child. We have discovered a musical gift in, in him or in her. You don't have food. How is then music beginning to be a, 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 a priority for this family? So we want to raise the profile of the family that has a child living with disabilities. And through the roof, Jackie and, and you, Sylvia, you're doing so much work. So all we are saying is that we are coming alongside you as musical therapists, like I said, to become a part of your family and say, this is what we want to do for your family. We would love to have a child coming from Kenya, coming from sub-Saharan Africa, raise the profile of their counterparts in a way that this Cody child did. Um, and I think the year before or two years before that, Britain got, Britain's Got Talent winner was also a man living with disabilities. He was, he was, he was the, the he, he had a voice box. He had a little gadget that would um, pro project his voice. And he was actually a comedian. And, mm -hmm. and his comedy was based on making fun of himself. He was a man with cerebral palsy. It was brilliant. So he, there you go again, where a, where, a, where, where a person like that, first of all, he can't even speak, but he has like a little machine and he's standing on the biggest talent stage in the world and not only um, um, impresses the judges, but impresses a whole country, and he got to go and perform in front of the queen. Um, we wanna be able to do that. And, and, and this is what we're about. This is the first step getting there, if you ask me. Uh, I hear you and I appreciate your sentiments, because that's true, because sometimes we want to do so much for our children, because we believe in them, we want them to be the best version, but then mm -hmm. also, are just not giving us the leeway like the inclusion is not there for our children because you find 
everyone else has sort of written them off, like there is nothing much they can get to do. Yet, we are just not taking uh, the time to see their ability. We are focusing on their disability. And that's one of the things that I'm saying. In our advocacy space, we need to change that narrative. That neighbor, if you are as a, care, as a caregiver, focus on your child in the right way. Let that person around you, empower them, educate them your neighbor, let them understand what actually it is for you raising this special child so that they're able to embrace your child's difference and make life easier for you. You'll find even when they see opportunities that maybe you might not have seen, they'll also bring it to your, to your um, attention and you'll be able to do something because we have all these opportunities that arise, like even when we're talking about with employment and, and uh, talent, like how many of us even know there is now a uh, talent being aired where PWDs, that is persons with disabilities, are uh, being given that platform to go and showcase their talent, you know. Mm -hmm. I know that at the time on the show we were looking for someone, who, we were looking for a servant, but they're hidden somewhere. I know and I believe in our country. We have a, quite a good number of servants. Servants are this like uh, highly talented, like unique autistic or like powerful persons. You know, like I remember when, when, when I took my son for assessment, I met this boy uh, who all I needed to say was, um, I was born, was it my name? My name is XYZ. I was born on this day. And the boy would tell me that was a Friday. And I'm like, dude, how do you even do that? Like within 30 seconds, you just say like uh, 20th of August, 1980. And within 30 seconds, the boy tells you a Wednesday. And if you actually go back and check, he is correct. Like how awesome a talent is that? So you can imagine um, such, such if we nurtured uh, the talent of our children, they can go, go really, really far. Instead of just keeping them at home and saying like, okay, you know, I can't handle this, it's too expensive. Reach out, showcase. Now we have social media, right? Which is a very good platform. Even I believe ODB was able to be realized and you know liked by many people because of that one video that went viral. So as caregivers, we stop hiding the talent of our children and just nurture it and put it out there. Joanne, I hope you've gotten stability. We had sent you to go climb a tree and see if you'll get some network. <laughs> I have found the perfect tree. <laughs> <laughs> so anything, uh, I know when you managed to log back in, you found us in the middle of a conversation. Anything you'd like to top up on that? Because I can see our time also is not on our side. Um, would you like to top up something? Um, just uh, I came in at some point and you had a question about how long it takes, I think, for the assessment. And mm -hmm. I, I had Maureen talk uh, a bit about it. But also to add on how, how we teach is that we tailor our teaching techniques to the child. So we don't use just one because like you've said, our children are talented in a lot of things. One loves numbers, the other one likes colors, the other one li likes alphabets and letters. So we tailor it to that child. And now that tailoring program will take actually the amount of time that Maureen said, like a month and, and not exceeding that. So we're able to quickly be able to work with your child. But also to add on, on what you have said about, you know, exposing our children, not being afraid is, is actually why Music in Color exists, because it is time we ended the stigma that society has about these children, because they need to realize how 
talented they are. And that is why we decided to start our orchestra program, because we want to show not only this country, not only our East African community, not only Africa, but even the world that yes. And I have a very talented young man, I think Maureen had touched on, he's 18. And all you have to do is play a piece and he will copy. He'll just go into replicate and play it through. And this is a piece, as a teacher, you've probably taken two weeks to learn. He's done it in five minutes. All he had to do is yeah, like really, really. He'll play the same key in all the different keys in music, and you're like, wait, what? You know, you think about it took you years to master all this, and it has taken him a sitting of 30 One minutes. And, and, and you know, it's these talents that we need to showcase, and, and it is by working together, as Maureen is saying, you know, bringing out these talents and, and in different spheres. And you're right, there are people who can support these children there are people who have the country has funds for helping children with special needs and people who are trying to know spearhead programs that are going to empower them because it's true they have been forgotten as in ways the curriculum for children with special needs you can't put autistic children in one class and think you can teach them it's an autism spectrum for god's sake you know one child is different from the other they are all different so we have to come together and actually, you know, open the eyes of our country, of our government, do things that actually give results. So there's a lot of work to be done. We are just playing a small part, but I think by working together in all our different spheres, we can actually make real change because there is a lot of work to be done when it comes to children with special needs. They have so much talent. They have so much to give back. They have so much to teach us. And we was my children, they have taught me so much, so much. Every time I go to class, I come out being the one who has learned and mm. I'm like, well, that was new, you know? So it's, it's important. And yeah, we, we keep doing what mm -hmm. we can. We keep talking where we can. And I hope people listen. Every day is a learning day when you're with an autistic child because you can never yes. meet one, it's one. Because they're never two who are similar. Like mm -hmm. everyone I meet is just their own unique self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The orchestra that she's talking about, I've had you mention it a, a, a couple of times. What's the program about? So the special needs orchestra program, it's mostly geared to helping the children who are now growing up, you know, because I've realized, okay, fine. They come in as children, they teach them music, they learn the instrument, they become very good at it, then what? they hit 16, 17, 18, 20, 21, they're grown-ups. What mm. happens to that child? Will you as a parent continue providing for them? And I've really becoming a frustration for parents because at some point, the school they're in will tell you, mm. you know, it's time for them to leave. So do they go back home? So what the program does is that we, the orchestra becomes like a source of income to the children. So they, after learning the music, after learning the instruments, they perform. And in through the performance, whatever we get from the ticketing, it goes back to the children. So that becomes their source of income for them as a beginning. And so also now starts, it's answering the question of what next? What happens to my child after 18, 19, 20? Can they earn something? And I'm like, this is what we do. I'm a music teacher and I earn from it. Performance, music performance earn from what they do. So why not 
you know, these children because they're, they're quite, quite talented. So it's just a step in that direction to show that they can not only learn how to play musical instruments in an amazing way, but they can earn from it as well. And I look at the orchestras around Kenya and I'm like, how many special needs children do you have? Do you know most of them can play most all of the instruments? How many do you have? And the answer is none. So if people are earning from that, the regular, the regular counterparts, why not children with special needs? So that is what the orchestra is about. And it's also about teaching them how to work together, you know, as a unit, how to deal with different personalities. Because at the end of the day, there is no different world for them to grow up in. It's still this one. They have to learn how to deal with us. We have to learn how to deal with them. And it's about us learning that they are capable of doing more. And it's them also learning how to deal with you know, the society, how to deal in terms of you know, being on center stage, how to present themselves, how to deal with different teachers, how to deal with you know, their colleagues. So that is what the orchestra is about. It's about teaching them all these fundamental things about how to deal with life and also to earn from it as well. Wow, that is, that is quite something. And I applaud you for that. Can that... I add that? Um... Mm -hmm. Yes, no. Can I add that even just the music culture, people don't realize that music is about a culture. We are, we're bringing in beauty into their lives. Um, music is about discipline. You know, everybody thinks that things that are artistic and creative have no discipline. You don't sit slouched like, like you're playing a, a video game when you're playing the piano. There's a way that you sit. There's, there's a way that you sit when you're holding your violin. You don't just throw it anywhere. So there's also that element of beauty and discipline that is being introduced to them that they carry out. There's a way that you carry out an orchestra performance. You don't just come in and play like you're gonna be in a rock band. There's that whole discipline. There's a conductor who taps, you know, all of that. And, yeah. and, and you will find that any person who is involved in that begins to, that whole beauty and discipline begins to pour out into the rest of their lives. Um, and that's the other thing that we want to bring into them. Some of these older children and, and those who are high functioning could easily become music teachers once we introduce music to them. Um, and, 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 and I think that um, Joanne has an intention that those who do have that capability would then continue in music in color, not just as performers in the orchestra, but become trainers themselves and, and, and raise the next generation of music of musicians that we would have playing in our orchestra i'm just i'm just trying to think of my my, my days back in in high school i we used to have choirs and um how challenging it was so like you want to tell me that our special needs kids can actually follow those sign languages or what i don't know what whatever with, train, with training yes with training yes remember that also we are, we are tailoring for them. Remember that we are tailoring it for them. Mm -hmm. So while I wouldn't use the same signs as the conductor for the London Philharmonic uh -huh. um, Orchestra uses, mm -hmm. I will tailor it for them, for them to be able to understand, for them to work at their level. Mm -hmm. We are not looking for child musicians. Mm -hmm. We are looking for musical children. And that is a difference. Okay. Okay. If any of them ends up being a prodigy, we shall, we shall push them to the end of where they can go. 
but we are not necessarily looking for prodigies. We are making sure that these children are surrounded by that element of beauty that music brings into our lives. Is everyone on statue? Mm. <laughs> Is it my network or you guys who are just statues? No, no, I can hear you. I can hear you, Maureen. Sylvia? Sylvia? Has she muted herself again? No. But she's not even moving. Her, her video is so still. Yeah, where is she going to? So maybe as we wait for her, I can just read out, you know, what it is we're trying to aim with the orchestra program. So one, we teach our children how to cope and deal with different personalities through using a team of teachers to teach one child, to uh, how to work well with other people by playing and practicing pieces together, how to cope with stressful situation which arise during performance. All of us know what stage fright is for those who have ever been on stage to either speak or sing, how to be confident in themselves and their talents which will be forced, which will be fostered during the performances, how to mm -hmm. deal with the society as a whole, um, earn a living and start supporting themselves to the best of their ability. At the end of the day, we all want to know and feel independent. And it's no different with these children. It is absolutely no different. They want to feel that they are able to do something for themselves. And you, when you, once you give that to them, it's quite empowering. And finally, to improve their communication with each other and the people around them. So that is what we are aiming with our orchestra program. And yes, it will be a challenge, as Sylvia had mentioned, but everything good worth doing is worth working for. And I believe this is needed in our country. It's needed for our children. It's needed even for the parents. So we will work at it, and we are going to do it, and I know we are going to succeed. So we hope that uh, we are going to get support from all of you who are tuned in, and we are going to at least have your children to work with as well. Okay. Thank you, ladies. Uh, internet, digital era. They decided uh, <laughs> I've been on the screen for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got kicked out of my own meeting. <laughs> so, Imagine. <laughs> so, oh, but I'm back. I just used a different gadget to join in. And uh, I, uh, I'm sure it has been a great session. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you, Maureen for all that you're doing and for giving our children at least a platform and out something else that they can look out to do, you know, and grow into and, and become the best version of whatever it is that they do. And uh, I would like to, I see we always end at uh, 15.30 and we have two minutes. I don't know if you have any parting shots. Well, what would you, if you are to address the caregivers, the parents, what would you say? What would you want them to do? For one, I would say, God bless you. It's a lot of work. And taking care of 
God wouldn't have given you this duty if he did know that you could do it. So you have his strength with you. So um, find people to work with, have a community around you. It's not easy having somebody to talk to. Also expose your child's talent as much as possible because you are empowering them, which in turn empowers you as a caregiver. So um, we are here for you, Music in Color. You can reach me anytime. Um, and see how we can work together to bring out the talents in your children. So that is all for me. Thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for having me, Sylvia. Maureen? Um, it's so nice to be part of this meeting and to realize that there are people who are interested in music for children living with disabilities. Like Joanne said, we are here for you. And um, we're ready to start even on Monday. Just call us and we will figure out a way, even in this Corona season, we will figure out a way to, to serve you and to serve your families. Thank you, Sylvia, for the opportunity. It's wonderful to think that what started as a random voice note on WhatsApp has ended up being this. It's very cool. For me, so long as there's a solution for our caregivers, I will always make sure I bring it to the table. If it's something that's going to benefit our children, I'll make sure that we actually have it. And then the other thing is kindly let us know where you're located. So after after Corona, if someone wants, would like to come. For us who are here. Joanne. Maureen. <laughs> Maureen has the address of our new location. We were located at Consolata. We had just opened our new center, but mm -hmm. lo and behold, Corona came, so we had to move. But uh, after it's all over, we will be located. Maureen, what is that address again? I forgot. <laughs> Number four, Eldama Ravine Close of the Pony Road. Ah, yes, I know. Uh, just number four. That's awesome. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah are, I've only, we, I've only been there for a week. Kestrel, Kestrel Manor site, yeah, just behind. Kestrel. Oh, that's around the corner, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, if someone is, is, is even wanting lessons at their home, we can even organize that. Okay. If yeah, someone we thinks, yeah, we also do home visits. Um, so if someone is even ready, not even waiting for end of corona, even mm. now, um, of course, all all... COVID-19 protocols are observed. We understand that some children are more prone, like children with CP are more prone to infections. So of course, all of those parameters are observed and, and, and will be taken care of, but yes, that's where we are. Um, we, shall, we, shall share, we shall share our contacts with you and then anybody who wants to get in touch with us can- No, you can actually do that now. Just give us a phone number and email address. Um, which Can number we share do we... it on the chat? Sorry? Can we do it on the chat or Maureen, you, yes, can, you can start by sharing yours. You share the email address, then you can put the numbers on the chat. Ah, okay. okay. So yeah, just so read the, the email address, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. your numbers on the chat. The email address for the school is musicincolor992 at gmail.com. I have put it on the chat. Okay. Music in color, C O L O R nine nine two at gmail.com. We are updating that one for any sana. And my number 
day or night, call me. I will be there for you. Is 0711-870-577. That is my number. So you can reach me on that. 0711-870-577. Okay, I'm sure yes. we all got that. Thank you very much yes. for taking, taking your time to enlighten us and to laugh with us. It was an awesome session having you two beautiful ladies and very musical. We, actually, we should have made you sing for us so that we can <laughs> But lo and behold, time is up. <laughs> we, shall, we shall send you a recording. We shall send okay. you a recording. Okay. We will do that. We will do that. So thank you very much, everyone who joined us this afternoon. This has been your special needs hangout, courtesy of Andy Speaks Neurodigest program, where we seek to educate and empower our caregivers and our special needs children to ensure that you are well uh, taught, you are well equipped, you are well empowered to be able to give the, your child the best intervention, the best, um, what do you call it? Skills, just anything that you would require. And uh, you could let us know what else you'd like to learn or who you'd like to hear from. You can drop it on the chat. You can send us an email. Make sure you follow us also on our social media pages. On Facebook, we have Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons in brackets SNP. That's a closed group for special needs parents where we share information and uh, many other things that come forth, education and encouragement and discuss things that will be beneficial to parents and caregivers and also to our own children. On Twitter, Andy Speaks 4, number four. And there we usually discuss policy and that's where we try and push for change and inclusion and all that. We have different conversations every day. And on Instagram, we just rally the same thing that's on our Facebook page and on our Twitter pages. Engage with us and help us sometimes when we are pushing for this change, like last time when we were talking to KQ, uh, to make sure that they change the language to include and be respectful to our children. And we were, we were able to do that. The other day we were pushing Google to change their translate and make sure that they do not call our autistic children as Udinga, but Tawahudi in Swahili. And we managed to do that. So follow us on Twitter and help us be the change that we want to see and engage the stakeholders that we need to push for policy inclusion. I've been your host, Sylvia Moramo Chabo. And as always, it is a pleasure to hang out with you every Saturday afternoon. And next week, we shall be here, same time, same place, discussing an intervention that is new in the market. It's only been there for the past 20 years. And that is Relationship Development Intervention, or RDI. We shall be having that next week. So please set your alarm. We shall share out the e-shot and the code to the meeting starting today afternoon. And we look forward to having you. And last but not least, we want to say thank you to Joanne for being here with us and also to Aquatronics for always supporting us with their audio, visual, and hosting us here at their studios to make sure you get the best clarity of everything. So till next weekend, and don't forget to take care of you because if you're empty, you'll not be able to give to your child. So say hi to everyone and we we'll see you next weekend. Thank you.